Hey, I want to talk to you about a very special podcast that is going into its second season, Veronica Mars Investigates. Their second season is going to premiere on March 24th, and a little bit about Veronica Mars Investigates. It is a very, very cool recap podcast, and if you like very, very cool recap podcasts like this one, you're probably going to like that one. It's hosted by Jenny Owen Youngs from the hit Buffy recap podcast, Buffering the Vampire Slayer, and Helen Zaltzman from the award-winning entertainment podcasts, The Illusionists, and Answer Me This. They are podcast royalty, and they have come together to create this show about the Veronica Mars television show. And if you haven't watched Veronica Mars television show, it is a teen comedy drama thriller noir. You can hear the first season of Veronica Mars Investigates now on all the podcast places and at vmipod.com. But season two, March 24th, get ready. You'll enjoy it. It looks like a duck, and it quacks like a duck. You should not be so quick to jump to conclusions. Good morning, Night Vale. I'm Hal Loveland, your Steve Carlsberg for this evening. And I'm Meg Bashwinner, your sentient patch of haze for this very moment. And I'm Symphony Sanders, your Tomoka Flynn for every season. <laughs> Tomoka's my favorite charter. She oh, is. My so, too. Such a great charter. My favorite, <laughs> too. Yeah. And we- Better than the Magna Carta. Oh, dang. <laughs> <laughs> And we are here to talk to you, as we are so many times in your earbuds, to talk to you about Welcome to Night Vale, because we love it, we work on it, and, you know, we just can't get away from it. So we're here to talk about this episode, Monolith. That's right. Here's the description as it originally appeared in your podcatcher all those years ago. This is December of uh, December 14th, 2014, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And it, it goes a little something like this. A stone monolith appears overnight in front of City Hall. Plus, a former high school quarterback playing college football, opening ceremonies at the drawbridge, and updates from the desert otherworld. Let's talk about it. Oh, yeah. Y'all. Let's talk about this festive episode. Yes, the Christmas special of... Um, I always com- I compare Christmas specials, everything, to um, Doctor Who. Because they always had epic Christmas specials. And this one is a no um, schlub to that. A monolith just appears overnight in front of the city hall. And Cecil loves it. Yeah, he finds it festive. (laughs) He's a messy bitch who loves drama. (laughs) (laughs) Ain't she, though? It kind of reminds me. This, I mean, this obviously predates the movie Arrival by several years. But it kind of reminds me of that, of like, here's a mysterious monolith. Nobody knows what it is. There's no real conclusion to what it is throughout the episode. It is, it, so we're back in this period now where episodes are monster of the week, but there's all there are also these threaded storylines happening in the background. Right. So the tapestry is being woven behind us while we kind of walk through and 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 are not distracted, but our, our attention is on this main story. And in this case, it's not really a – monster at all as we find out but it's more a threat and it's about how the town reacts to it and maybe how the town reacts to change at all which is pretty big thematically for where we're at in the story right now the you know the arc we're currently in is kind of dealing with how the town deals with outsiders how the town deals with change the the ugly of that and the beauty of that yes but you know and and in the end uh they end up being upset, of course. But if presents exploded out of a monolith that I was a little bit nervous about, because everybody everybody at first was like, okay, this monolith, they just accepted it, like everything else they accept. The city council sure. didn't have nothing to say, like always, because they're terrible at their gosh darn jobs. They're on a cruise. They left. They're so bad. They left because they were nervous. <laughs> and they created, they created the mess, too, I think. That's my theory, is that they just, like, they're – malfeasance created this situation and then they were just like as always they're somewhere the fuck else yeah <laughs> speaking of messy bitches yeah speaking of the and they're slurping that slurp oh that's slurping oh, sipping okay. that cocktail 
I was wondering when I listened to this episode whether that was just like stage directions slurping sound, but it just says, you know, it's spelled S, for those of you who don't have the book, um, S-L-U, and then a bunch of R's, and then P. And I was like, that's how I would have texted it. <laughs> I would have done a lot of U's, because I always think of the, oh. like, that's those are the U's, but they could be the R's. I guess they could well, be. Well, I think of the, uh, the like, ululations of the R, the, <laughs> as the, you oh. know what I mean? Like, that part. Yeah. To be that showed up really cool on my uh, sound bar as well. Your waveform created a waveform event. <laughs> <laughs> Neither of you have have misophonia, right? Have we discussed this before? Um, no. no, I mean, so I feel like some people. I have it to like a, a light degree. It's not something that really, really gets under my skin. But sometimes, like people chewing, it's a little rough. Oh, that's when it hurts when like sounds hurt you. Yeah, they make you angry, like sometimes violently angry. I know people who, if they hear if they hear those sounds, they're like, "I just want to punch something." Yikes! Yeah, my sister has that. Oh, she, really? she, she, yeah, she loses it. She loses it bad. With what? With some eating sounds. Oh, I can understand how that would kind of make you. Well, <laughs> for me, it's more the combination of watching someone chew with their mouth open, mm-hmm. and the like sound the combo it just makes me disgusted more than anything i'm not angry i'm just like disgusted and i just look at them and look at them (laughs) i don't like i can't stand um forks or spoons on teeth scraping on teeth oh yeah that like zing sound on a a plate it makes me wanna i want to put my fist through the planet that like squeak almost sound yeah but i love Mm -hmm. the as for foods i just got into and I know I love I'm, eating. I know how late I am. I love eating. I just started, <laughs> but I think I'm good at it. I just started yeah. listen, uh, watching. Uh, I think it's was it called mukbang, which is yeah. uh, I think it's Japanese. I think that might be where it originated, but it, it it originates somewhere in Asian culture. And it they're videos where people eat food like massive amounts of food, oh. and but like you so you hear all the noises, but then they also talk to people while they're doing it. Now, there's a subset of that, which is just ASMR, which is no talking. I'm going to unwrap this, like, a Big Mac, 40 chicken McNuggets, and two large fry, and I'm going to eat it into a microphone. And I, I, it knocks me out. It makes me really? so tired. It's so relaxing. And I don't know why. I don't like watching people chew with their mouth open, but there's something about it that-, that The sound of chewing. It just triggers. The, ASM, the ASMR is real. Yeah, I've never I haven't gotten into it. I know people uh, like do swear by it. It's not for everybody. But I don't find I don't find it necessarily calming. I I don't know. It's not for me, but it, yeah, it's not for everyone. Um, but I do find it fascinating that people are soothed by those sounds and I wonder what that comes from. It's it's ASMR is a uh, what is it? A auto uh, uh, auto sensory meridian response. Autonomous sensory meridian response. So it's something in your brain. Like it creates a tingle in your brain and you either have it, you either have it or you don't. And you may only have it. There only may be certain things that trigger it and certain things that don't. Like two people who listen, that's that's an ASMR that I enjoy, but I don't like tapping and scratching things. Other people love tapping and scratching things, but, Mm. but hate the food stuff. I have hmm. it sometimes. It's for like it's specific things uh, that I don't really have a handle on. What it's like a lot of times voices mm-hmm. that will do yeah, it. Yeah, whispering. It's not necessarily yeah, whispering. Back when I was needed extra help in school, my like special help lady, she had an ASMR voice, and so I would just like be completely relaxed. I remember being <laughs> oh. like in third grade in like my little special help room with her and being just like <laughs> totally zonked out. So I guess that's pr- pretty good thing to have if you're in a career where you're in charge of like unruly children, right? Yeah, just like a really calming. Isn't it bad if you're a kid who has to learn because you're falling asleep? You're like, what? Yeah, well, she, but, you, but there's a focus to it, though, oh, okay. because it's it feels so good that you kind of listen to it. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't want it to stop. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't think no. about that. Okay. Yeah. But all this to say the slurping did bother me. I do love that they left the <laughs> left the, the laptop open. Like, they just didn't know how to close it. So they weren't purposefully <laughs> slurping into Skype. They just... Uh, just, just like Grandpa doesn't know how to hang up the phone. They're just so bad at, at, at they're so bad at everything. They're everything, they're yeah. very bad yeah. at their jobs. But uh, okay, so let's 
another person who is obsessed with their job, but is good at it, I guess, maybe too good at it, Carlos, is still over in the desert other world. And I, we know that makes Cecil sad, right? Well, yeah, it also makes, I don't know, this kind of intro to this episode where Cecil is pretty much just kind of talking about a fight he had with Carlos. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's like they're kind of this play-by-play re- reporting of their fight, which is great. I'm really happy that they are reporting their fight on the radio and that it is in fact news. <laughs> but just, yeah, the way that like language choice that Cecil has where he's like, and we don't say that anymore. We say it this way because that's... <laughs> oh, yeah. He's not trapped. So I sometimes feel feel like Cecil's a little unsupportive of Carlos. Well, I think as with any long distance relationship, I think it because certain things like that become difficult after a while adjusting to the person not being there, the time that you would normally spend and they he doesn't seem to be trying to get back like that hard. And I understand that would be frustrating. It's not like you know, he's in college or something and he's like, okay, well, there's an end date to that. Do you know what I mean? Like, this is kind of an open-ended, like, when is he going to get back? Like, shouldn't he be working on that every second if he really wanted to come back? But you're also, like, this is an adult relationship, right? So right. His, this is his job This is his job and his passion that he had long before he and, and Cecil ever met. And then where it, where it falls apart for me What's brilliant about this and the way it's written is you could be on either person's side. So you could be on the on the Carlos side of like, listen, he's just there working. This is something that's important to him. And at every turn, he's got his significant other telling him, oh, you're trapped there. You really want to come back here. The, the, each person is projecting onto the other what they want the most. I want you to come back to Night Vale. I want you to come sure. out here because this is where my work is. Wouldn't it be great if you came and visited? And you can almost feel the the that like tension, that silent tension that would come from that. The person saying, and then you're, you'll leave Night Vale and you'll come here. And then they're like, uh-huh, yeah, sure I will. But then also I'm like, but you didn't go there voluntarily. You went there – I mean, not really. Like you're not you weren't originally staying there voluntarily. Like and you really don't have a way to come back. It's not like he was there initially by choice. He was just like, "Oh, well, I'm going to it was during a crisis." And then now he just hasn't been able to come back. Like he doesn't even have a way to come back. And they were like, "Well, maybe if you could come here, that would be great." If have you seen any doors like that? And, and that's not even a possibility. That's all talking in ifs and maybes. So I don't know. I just feel like Carlos is getting a little Stockholm syndrome. Yes, it's Stockholm syndrome, but also like he's just trying to make the best of a situation there, and he's inspired. He has happened upon this place that is great to study. So it's like, yes, he is trapped there, and he ended up there accidentally, but he happened upon something that he found really inspiring to his work. So it's like, and there's a giant Bichon freeze. Yeah, which yeah. I would not be sad about. It sometimes feels like Cecil is not respecting of Carlos's work, and that. It also, I mean, on the other side, it, it does feel like Carlos is maybe maybe not paying as enough attention to Cecil's feelings regarding him not being there because he is so engrossed in his work. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, given where we are right now, and I, I like to approach it this way and not go like, listen, I know what happens at episode 150 or, or whatever. At this point, the, the thing that strikes me is there's no way Carlos is looking for a way to come back. Like he's yeah. not looking, and anytime he's asked, right. it just becomes that I haven't seen anything. That's because you're actively not looking. You've the, the the circumstances you went there weren't ideal, but now you've discovered, and you've discovered sort of a life that's interesting and work that that gives you purpose, and that is for the other person in the relationship. You're on the one hand, you're happy for for. Mm-hmm for them that they've found something that they love that they're doing. On the other hand, it's your worst nightmare come to life. What if the person you love the most had to go away on a trip and then was like, no, I, you know, I, I just keep finding stuff to do here and I don't think I'm going to be back anytime soon. You should come out here and visit. That's, you know, that's, that's heartbreaking to imagine because then you have a choice. I either figure out a way to make this work where neither of us are super happy because we're not together, but neither of us want to move, or 
somebody yields and maybe isn't as happy as they were before. Am I going to put my happiness over them? Are they going to put my happiness over theirs? It's it's hard. That's a really difficult thing to navigate as an adult. And there isn't always an easy answer. There there just isn't. Right. And then they get to resent each other. Oh, that would that's just the worst. Forever. Yeah. Every fight from the rest of time is like, well, I moved back from the desert other world for you. You know, I did. I made this huge sacrifice. I was the one who took the hit here for this. So as a result, I will only be putting my dirty socks next to the laundry basket. I will not be putting them in the laundry basket. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Is that good enough for you? What else do you need? I moved all the way across the country for you. You you can't move my socks into the laundry. I'm too literal, you guys, because I'm like, there's like, he can't even go there. Like, this is a fantasy, like, of them being like, oh, well, maybe if we could find a way for you to come here, it's like, mm, how, though? That hasn't been fi- – you obviously still aren't looking for that because then you'd be able to come – like, if that was possible, then we I would be happy to go back and forth. I think, think Cecil would be happy to go back and forth with him, but that hasn't even come up, and he's not looking for that. So it makes it – I don't know. makes it a little tough for me, and not that I'm – on Cecil's side, I understand Carlos found some interesting stuff and there's interesting things over there. And those wandering people are really nice and stuff. But I think he sounds a little obsessed. Well, I, I mean, look, Nightvale's not a place that you leave. He mentions, I've, I haven't left Nightvale since, what is it, Luf, Luf, Lufnarp? Lufnarp? Or Schwitz, yeah. Or Schwitz, like. Which, and we don't know if he really even went there. Yeah, you're not supposed to leave there. So there's that. Right. There, there's that idea too. When somebody's from an area that nobody leaves, right? Then it's very hard to get them to go anywhere, even on a vacation. Like, so it doesn't feel like just come out here for a little bit. It feels like no. if if he goes to the other world, the desert other world, it's going to become a sell for him. Like, why don't you stay here? See how nice it is. You can be here. You don't have to worry about all the weird stuff in Nightvale. Or maybe he won't even be able to come back. Like, if you go through that door, will you even be able to get back through? Like, that hasn't been 100% working right? for anyone. Um, also, I don't know. Like, it just seems like a, there's lots of things that concern me. But also, I'm like, okay, maybe Cecil's also a little jealous that Carlos likes this other place and finds it to be the most scientifically, one of the most scientifically interesting places because before he was saying that about Night Vale. Right. So that's also like a bigger overarching thing. It's like, oh, so Night Vale's not good enough for you anymore? Yeah. Does that mean I'm not good enough for you anymore or interesting enough? That's a really great point. Wow. We're going to have to touch base on that again when uh, Carlos himself shows up in the next episode, but um, let's move forward just a little bit to talk about uh, the the sports. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to talk about the drawbridge first? Well, we had water in Night Vale. It's always good to <laughs> that it, is always good. shout out the acknowledgement that water in Night Vale. <laughs> that there is water in Night Vale occasionally. Yeah. Well, the city council, when it fits the city council's budgetary spending, there's water in Night Vale and a drawbridge <laughs> is necessary for $20 million, but... In reality, you know. I feel like they're doing some shady. You mean like like going on cruises? Yeah, yeah. That's how they're paying for all this stuff <laughs> instead of doing the work they say they're going to. We don't need no damn drawbridge. Get out of here. Yeah, they're even they're really bad at extortion. Yeah, um, but yeah, that sports episode. So it's it's a Jeffrey episode. It's also a Christmas episode. So that means it's a Jeffrey episode. <laughs> so <laughs> things, two topics that Joseph is not going to be writing about: Christmas and sports. And two two <laughs> things I love uh, as at probably I don't know the same amount as Jeffrey, but also I was like, oh, as soon as you hear all the sports stuff, I'm like, there's just no way this is 100 yeah. percent Jeffrey, of course. This is where we have the birth of Michigan. Michigan. Yeah, it's the first Michigan thing. Also, that's something I found interesting at the top of this section where he says the Night Vale High School school Scorpions had a rough 2014 season. So it's the acknowledgement that Night Vale is in the same year as the rest of the world. Right. Oh, yeah. Which kind of happens and then doesn't happen. And But it, this for this specific news story, we're in 2014. That's fun. Yeah, that's that's true. I hadn't thought of that. This is the first time it's pinned to to the actual time that the listener is listening to it. But we know that time works differently in Night Vale, so it may be, you know, it's one of those things where it's a it's a it's a sine wave. 
And every once in a while, like it, sometimes it's the same time and sometimes it's completely different time. And we accept that, you know? Yeah. But yeah, do you think that the – I've ridden in a car with, with Jeffrey while he's driving before. He's a pretty calm, like relatively calm driver. Uh-huh. But I do – I think I have gotten the sense <laughs> that, that there, there can be an impatience with the other people driving on the road. Do you think that's why somebody gets spinal parasites for refusing to yield on a highway off-ramp? I'll tell you what. Um, I think of the most intense drivers that drive, it would be myself. It would be you, yeah. <laughs> oh, you're number one. Come on. <laughs> and Jeffrey. Because he drives fast. He just drives fast. Yeah. But like a dad, you know? like Yeah, he's safe. He drives fast and like. I don't know. I just always imagine him driving his big pickup truck, though. That's I, when I rode with him. I we were. Uh, I was one of the tours. I think he was driving separately, and I rode with him. So it was just the two of us sitting his car. It was very like. Uh, I that was where I got. I was like, oh, you don't like. Which to me, it doesn't stand out or make me uncomfortable because I'm the same way. It drives mm-hmm. me cr- like people doing dumb things on on the road drive me crazy. Yeah. It's infuriating. I just don't get – like, nobody needs to be anywhere so fast unless a baby is coming out or a soul is escaping. And then you should stop. You should stop your car and let the baby come out. Let the baby come out, yeah. Yeah. Don't try to speed through it. What if you don't have the tools to birth a baby? You don't need any tools. Yeah. I've listened to a lot of podcasts. That you think you could birth a baby (laughs) in the car? Yes. 100%. Oh, I want to test this. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. We're going to pick up a pregnant person the next time. Every birth is different, but I feel like uh, <laughs> there's things we, don't, things we don't need to. All right. Um, I don't think I would like to test my skills of delivering a baby in, in a car, but I feel yeah. like if it were to happen, I would rise to the occasion. I could rise to the occasion, I think. I could see that. What would you do? Well, it really depends on like where in birth they are, like where in labor they are. Like, are they like, are they pushing? Are they pushing? Like, is it time to push? Because if they're not pushing, then you're fine. They just hang out and go to the hospital. But if she's, yeah, if the parent is like really ready to push, then, then you just kind of got to catch it. You're going to like focus up. Yeah. You're like, you just got to do this. So I'm going to reach down there and I'm going to Heisman that baby. Yeah. You're not even willing to do that. Just gravity will do it, man. Uh, unless they get stuck, and then you're supposed to turn the mother over if they get stuck. That's a, a way to get the shoulders out. You know, uh, <laughs> from television, I know that all you need are some towels and some hot water. Boil some, some water. Some clean towels yeah. and boil some water. Yeah. And that's it. And then you're fine. And then a baby comes out. Yeah. Okay. Because they're like, oh, a swimming pool. And then the baby dives into the swimming pool, but then you catch the baby in a towel so you can dry it off and clean it up. And then fresh baby. Do you think babies are dolphins? I, some of them are. Dolphins and <laughs> dolphins and humans are so close that really it doesn't matter. They are. Yeah. Yeah. I don't see a species when I look at people. Symphony. I'm very advanced. It, Jeffrey's a serious driver. Symphony's a serious driver. I just try to stay away from people on the road. I'm always just like, oh, that person is doing something dumb. Let me let them have their space. Oh, what do you yeah. think of me as a driver? I've never had outside people assess. I have no notes about your driving. Other than the fact that I was the three of us when the last time I drove with you, the three of us shared a milkshake. Yes. Yeah. We're always <laughs> eating. So I don't know. So then I'm the best driver ever because yeah. food comes with me. We didn't spill that milkshake, did we? No. Oh, my God. There will never be a spilled milkshake. Never, never in my presence. It will not happen. There was nothing to spill. <laughs> yeah, the, it was a rock. Almost. We drank a rock. It was more likely that the cup would disintegrate. And, st- and around it. Yeah, yeah, than anything else. We were in the car for two hours, and that fucker did not melt. Like, no, yeah, it never got any softer. It was just constant brain freeze, like for forty-five minutes. It was like somebody took a pr- the Prudential logo, you know, the rock, the rock of Gibraltar, yeah. made yeah. of of milkshake, and put it into a cup, and then said, "Good luck, jerks. Good luck not having twelve aneurysms trying to like." So, I don't think it had anything in it, wasn't it? No, it's like a, a chocolate milkshake. A chocolate milkshake, for goodness sakes. You would have thought it had like Lego pieces in it with how hard it was. It's also possible that three of us were just really tired. 
Yeah, that happened. <laughs> it was a. It, I'm gonna. I'm gonna stand by my belief that that was one of the thickest milkshakes we've ever had in our whole it lives. Was yes, thicker than a Snickers. Yes. <laughs> oh, you thicker than a Snickers. <laughs> um, but like, I can I just tell you, I literally can't get over the whole Cecil not being able to pronounce Michigan, <laughs> and I think that has stuck with me throughout my years. And actually. Uh, the guys, I feel like, wrote a, episode, a bonus episode for me once um, where I had to say Michigan. Or no, it wasn't in a live show. And I just had to keep saying, like, Michigan, Michigan, Milchtefun. <laughs> so I don't think anybody can say Michigan very well in um, Night Vale. And now every time we go to Michigan, I always have to say something silly about it. And this is curious for me, actually, looking at the script book, is that it's just spelled Michigan in the script book. So I'm wondering if it was an acting, cho- a Cecil acting choice where he was like, I don't know what this is, so I'm going to pronounce it weird. Um, or if it, because it's not spelled any different way and there doesn't appear to be any notes in the script book. So this, the pronunciation of Michigan might be a, a fun Cecil thing that he added that we've just oh. rolled with. That's my hypothesis. And I mean, there are context clues in the in the script. So he has no sure. idea what state the University of Michigan is located located in. So I, if it's an actor choice, it's a brilliant one. If it's a piece of direction, it's also a brilliant piece of direction. I'm gonna think. I think it's maybe an actor choice. Yeah, that feels like something Cecil would get to on his own. Well, I thought it was hilarious, and I'm glad it is stuck um, throughout our our time. And it still continues to this day, and I love it. I find it very, very funny when Michigan is brought up. Uh, but he also says Alabama weird, too. Alabama. Al- Alabama. Al- Alabama. Sounds kind of like Obama. Oh, may he rest. Oh. What, what happened? He's dead. <laughs> yeah, but he deserves to rest and relax. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's just like he should. May he relax. May he relax in peace. May he put on a tan suit and chill by the pool. Yeah. Well, this episode's going to come out a while from now, so it's hard. I don't want to like say anything, but I feel like Obama maybe needs to not rest right now, and that he probably could be out there campaigning. But he may be out there campaigning by the time that by the time yeah. this episode airs. But I'd like to see him out there in the field making some moves and. I'm going to guess, when does this episode drop? What time is it, actually, if somebody's listening to this? This episode drops uh, the 19th of March. I'm going to guess at this point, he has not... And today's the 19th of February, just to let you guys know where we are in time. Yeah, we are in the 19th of February. This will be out the 19th of March. I'm going to say he will not yet be politically active at that time. Will not have made no endorsement yet of any candidate. And I think he's going to really pick that stuff up during the summer in terms of Senate races. That's my hope. Senate, and then after we have a nominee, he'll get out there. Yes. Yeah, he's the maybe the greatest tool we have for getting somebody elected. Yeah. Outside of people, a bunch of them. Outside of each one of you, please vote. Hey, everyone out there, are you registered to vote? Are you going to be 18 by the time the election comes, but you're not registered now? You can register now. If you're going to be 18 by the time that the election comes your way, do you live in Michigan? Michigan? Mich- Mich- Michigan? Michigan? Do you like healthcare and uh, get being able to afford college? Do you, do you like those things? Maybe maybe register as a Democrat. I don't know. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Not to get wild, not to get crazy, but uh, do you live in Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Kentucky? Yeah. Are you going to come to our show in Wisconsin? You going to come to our show in Michigan? Oh, yeah. Come to our shows. Listen, I'm going to be at some of those shows. Some of them I will not be at. But if I'm there, bring proof that you voted. I'll give you a high five. (gasps) If you bring proof that you voted, I will think of something special to celebrate you. Especially if you live in Michigan. Michigan. (laughs) Michigan. Michigan, Pennsylvania, or Wisconsin, yeah, North Carolina, Indiana. Virginia, Flo- or Texas, Florida, yeah. Florida, Florida. I pronounce his name correctly. Nevada, Florida. Sorry, <laughs> he did welcome me into his house. The least I could do is say his name properly. Welcome to my house. We don't have to go, go out. out. To my house. We don't we have don't to have go out. <laughs> Open up the champagne pop. Woo! It's my house. Anywho, so we get to the end of this episode, which is just a staggering allegory about the separation of church and state and Christmas and the subsequent war on Christmas. Yes. And how being a materialist is bad, basically. 
Yeah. And that's why they loathe all the presents. But you know what? I'm going to tell you, I, I hate to be like this, but I love presents. Me too. I was thinking that. No shame. No shade. I love presents. I love, I didn't really have this as a kid growing up Jewish. My parents mm. tried a couple times. But that feeling of coming downstairs and having the, the Christmas tree with all the lights on it and having your gifts appear under the tree. We did that like yeah. once or two. We had a Hanukkah bush. That was the closest we got. But, you know, Tight. both my parents are Jewish. I am proudly Jewish. Now that I have a Presbyterian wife, we can do Christmas trees sometimes here, although we're rarely here for Christmas. But I love that. That's part of it. Not the materialistic. It's nice to receive a gift. That's always great. But I also love giving gifts to people. Same. Yeah, it's my favorite. I love figuring it out and coming up with something that they're going to love. And yeah. Yes. It makes you so happy. It makes me happy. And I know it makes you guys happy to see that something that you got someone they love or they find it useful or they wouldn't have gotten it for themselves and it's surprising or they didn't expect anything from you. Um, Cause most people are pretty humble and like, are like, Oh my gosh, thank you so much. That's very kind. Um, you know, but usually you get stuff for your family and people you love, like your spouse and whatnot. I just love the look on people's face when they open a present and it was something they really wanted or they didn't know they needed. It's nice. Yeah. Meg, you do give good gifts. Oh, I try. I yeah. I, I like I like gifting. I would like to one day give Joseph Inc. the gift of a small beagle. Oh. What's it what would his beagle. name be? Gentleman? He likes the name Table for a Beagle, which I agree. I think okay. it's a good name. Table the Beagle. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually in the last month of your most recent birthday gift to me of Birchbox. Oh, your rich box. Birchbox. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah, it's a little gift every month. Can't stop, won't stop. Birchbox sponsors, thank you. Yeah, isn't that how that anything works? Anything sponsor us? That'd be great. We'll do. We'll sell anything. I won't sell diet stuff, but other than that, I won't sell diet stuff or like anything that's like an MLM. But other than that, I'll sell stuff. Yeah, men loving men. <laughs> yeah, What's yeah. The- no, I'll sell men loving <laughs> yeah. men. I will happily sell men loving men. This episode is brought to you by Grinder. Oh yeah. fuck! If we get fucking Grinder, that would be so sick. All my friends would be jealous. Grinder. I don't know if Grinder needs to advertise. No, I don't think so. They're pretty popular. They've got some good brand awareness <laughs> from word of mouth and other of mouth. Grinder.com. Mm. Mm-hmm. Stay right there. Good morning, Nightfell will return after a brief break. That's the sound of me smelling my own armpit because I smell like a coconut vanilla cookie. And I smell like that because of native deodorant. Good Morning Night Vale is very pleased to be able to offer you 20% off of your first purchase of native deodorant by going to nativedeodorant.com and entering promo code GOODMORNING at checkout. I find myself very lucky to live in a time in history when deodorant exists. Think about how bad George Washington must have smelled and be grateful that you don't have to go anywhere near that. I don't want you to be stinky. I want you to smell great. And I want you to do that without endangering your body with harsh chemicals. Native deodorant can do that for you. Their products are naturally formulated and aluminum free. So you're not gonna be slowly poisoned by your own armpits. You're gonna have to find another way to die. And while you're finding that other way to die, you will smell great with a naturally derived deodorant that actually works. Native deodorant is not tested on animals, so no narwhals, which are real, will be injured for you to smell awesome. Visit nativedeodorant.com, use promo code GOODMORNING, and don't smell like George Washington. Do you have trouble getting the sleepies like I do, having a good night's sleep, like a full night's sleep? Let me introduce you to Feels, which is the premium CBD delivered directly to your doorstep. If you're like me and you have trouble, if you have stress, if you have anxiety, pain, or sleeplessness, then you just put a few drops of Feels under your tongue and you'll feel the difference within minutes. And if you're like me and you are new to CBD like I was, they offer a free CBD hotline to help guide your personal experience. Feels has me feeling my best every day and it can help you too. Become a member today by going to feels.com slash good morning and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash good morning to become a member and get 50% automatically 
taken off your first order with free shipping. Feels.com slash good morning. Next, a conversation with Bettina Warshaw, who was this episode's weather with her band, The Rizzos. Hey, Bettina, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? Uh, I'm doing really, really well. What's what's going on? You're calling us live from your office in Brooklyn, New York. I'm calling you live from my office that is now a brewery in Brooklyn, New York. So you probably get uh, some of that like cool, vibey background brewery music. So but yeah. Great. Great. Love to hear it. Uh, <laughs> love to see it. Yeah. So you were the, this episode's weather with your band, the Rizzos. That's really wonderful. This is episode, what is it? 59 monolith or 58, 58 monolith. Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, um, I would venture to say that being the weather made us, we joke as one hit wonders <laughs> because, uh, I mean, we can get into it. I don't know what questions you have or anything, but like it truly changed like the trajectory of what the band was doing in a lot of ways. Um, can you speak a little bit more to that? What was like, what was the trajectory before you guys were in episode 58 monolith? Um, before we were just a bunch of schmoes playing um, in the DIY scene in Brooklyn. And then after we were a bunch of schmoes that had like a bajillion and a half views on YouTube, on like a janky video we made um, and a bunch of streams on Spotify. So it just like, it kind of added a level of legitimacy in a lot of ways, which is really cool just because like people were actually listening and they knew where to find us. They found us through the podcast and then um, it just kind of like boosted at least that song, which was really exciting. Yeah, that is. I mean, it's a really great song. I love that song. I, I listened. It's in my rotation on my shuffle on my phone. So it yeah. uh, comes up every now and again. And I love I love to hear it. It's yeah, it's a really great song. Can you talk a little bit about what making that song was like? Yeah. So the recording specifically that's on or in the episode, I should say, is was the first recording that we had ever done as the Rizzos with the band. So that song was written by Megan, who's the front woman and vocalist and guitar player, I should say, before any of those things. So guitar player, front woman and vocalist of the Rizzos. Um, she wrote the song and brought it to the band, and we were like, we should record a song. We're a new band. And so we went to my now husband's apartment. Um, he was doing bedroom recordings at the time. Now he does basement recordings. Um, and he recorded it straight to tape. So we were kind of like, we don't know what we're doing. Let's figure it out. And he was very patient and got us that song in like a half a day. And then when the weather submissions opened up, which is how we ended up on the episode, we were like, we have this one cool recording that I think we like. And we're like, let's hope for the best. <laughs> yeah. And it was, a, it was a hit. It was a total hit. And you're the drummer on that track and, uh, yes. and a badass drummer all around. Do you, Thank can you, you talk a little bit about your, your journey as a drummer? Sure. I mean, I'm on a brief pause for my drumming lifestyle. Um, but yeah, I played in the middle school. Actually, I started playing the drums when I was like seven, eight, because I really loved Zach Hansen from Hansen. Um, and I wanted us to get married, so I figured I should be a drummer, which is like a terrible way to get into drumming, but the truth. Um, we, get here, we get there how we get there. Exactly. <laughs> and then I uh, played throughout middle school, quit for a long time, did a lot of theater, time at you. Um, did a lot of other things and then like by some happenstance a friend was like hey you should play the, this band I heard you used to play the drums and they're looking for a female drummer and I was like why not um, and so I ended up playing in that band and just kind of got back into it and that was I guess like six or seven years ago now this is the band before the Rizzos yes I, I saw that band <laughs> it was a very different band it was a different band but it was you and Megan still too it so was. it was like you yeah. you and Megan moved on to the next logical step which was the Rizzos yeah which is a great band name first of all Thank great you. band name that was Justin's doing actually which is funny because he wasn't originally it was going to be a two piece we were going to be called Apocalyptic and then we were like <laughs> this music does not fit that name and we need a bassist and Justin's like how about the Rizzos we're like perfect done easy uh, you know what I really love about how you became the weather on this episode is that we had been friends for years at this point and you've been friends with Joseph and Jeffrey and all of us by working with the Neo Futurists, but you still just like straight up followed all the rules of the weather submission <laughs> and like put the, the track in and the webpage and sent it to the email address yep. and just like did not ask for like any special favors or consideration. You were just like, this is me, a person submitting, following all the rules. And um, I mean, the song is great. So we were so stoked to get to include it, but also just so stoked that like for once someone wasn't like, hey, I'm your friend 
friend, do me a favor. <laughs> well, that's know? the thing. It's like, okay, so this weather open call came out, like, I think it was, like, pretty soon after the big, like, night veil burst. So, like, the listeners started really piling up and everything started really happening. And I think that just, there's this weird, like, fine line of when your friends start to become weirdly famous where it's like you want to support them but you also really want to respect the work they do and not like jump on this bandwagon just because they've done the work and you like think you can contribute you know so mm-hmm. I didn't want to like be weird to be like hey guys I know you're like kind of famous now so like put my new band in your podcast also what's a podcast like I wanted to <laughs> follow the rules and like just be, be respectful of the guidelines and the structures that have been in place I'm also a total square and I'm a rule follower and that's just who I am <laughs> It's just it's 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 appreciated absolutely oh, to follow out. all the rules. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> yeah. I I really love this song and I'm really glad that it got to be included in the show and in the canon of Weathers um, for all of eternity. Me too. Um, so yeah, it's so you were. Can you talk a little bit about like what the DIY punk scene is in in New York or was at the time? Because I yeah. feel like it's a really cool and special place, but maybe the rest of the world doesn't know how, the ins and outs of it. Oh, yeah. So I'll talk about, like, my small segment of it, which is really the King Pizza scene, because that's where, like, I'm heavily involved, and um, my band's heavily involved, and we're part of the King Pizza label. Um, But I will say that, like, there's a bajillion different facets of the DIY scene that I'm just, like, still, like, totally in awe of and so intimidated by. Um, But it's really cool. I mean, a lot of it's just, like, friends playing with friends, and, like, I don't know. It's... DIY has gone through such an interesting shift in the past few years because a few years ago there was like all these like literal do-it-yourself DIY venues like Shea Stadium and places like that and like live spaces that like weren't exactly up to code and like maybe you shouldn't be hanging out at but also have like really (laughs) amazing shows and like really cool people running it and this like real like grassroots ethos and like that has certainly shifted over the past few years in New York and that exists less and less but still definitely exists in pockets Um, but we kind of came up in this time where there was this bar called Don Pedro that was like, I don't know, all of our friends bartended there and my friend Greg was the booker. Greg runs King Pizza was the booker. So it was just kind of like King Pizza home base. Um, And it wasn't fully DIY because it was a legitimate bar, but it was kind of like, you can come play a show when there are no rules. Just don't throw any cooked food around. We learned that one the hard way. Um, (laughs) What did you throw around? um, There's a band called the Gabagools who is a Halloween-themed Italian food band. And they threw a lot of spaghetti one night and they did that right before the Mad Doctors play, and the Mad Doctors used to throw toilet paper around, so the spaghetti on the floor plus the toilet paper on the floor made this, like, really terrible paste. And that was the only time we got in trouble at Don Pedro. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's a neo-futurist who makes so similar messes. I understand the forming of a paste sometimes. Yes, um, yes it was paste. an accidental paste. <laughs> I'll never forget these men, and they're, like, like ghoul makeup using, like, shovels and mops and buckets to get it off the floor. And they did a great job, ultimately. They were very respectful. They stayed all night to clean it up. But it was it was disgusting. Oh, love for the gabagools. The yeah, they were the best. But like, it was the whole thing. Just like you kind of like you kind of did whatever you wanted. But like, there's a lot of freedom and room to explore and like try things out and play shows with different bands and start different bands and like, I don't know. It was just a, it wasn't. It still is. I'm a little less involved now. But like, was a really like magical time of like being in your mid twenties and staying up late and drinking a lot of whiskey and also like making cool things and watching your friends become like rock stars for a moment pretty cool pretty cool pretty cool place to and you yeah you I, I know from hanging out and around with you 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 your life evolved so much uh when you started working in that scene uh you just like the friendships that you built and your husband and like all the music that you you know have have made with him so it's yeah it's really cool when people find like the right puzzle piece in their life and it feels like that was kind of it for you for that time and place yeah I would agree it was something I like feel very nostalgic for even though it was very recent history and like look back on very fondly and I'm still like I said still like kind of involved kind of not figuring that out that's a whole other conversation but like it's still a wonderful scene there's a lot of amazing stuff going on and yeah it was magical yeah there's this Sharon Van Etten song 17 that uh Joseph and I listen to a lot whenever like we hear about another place in the East Village that's closed down (laughs) we're just like so if you're ever feeling that recommend that song do you ever just like walk down Second Avenue and just like start crying a little bit. <laughs> yeah. You're just like everything, everything that once was a cool place is now a TD bank. Uh-huh. 
Exactly. And like, don't get me wrong. I bank at TD Bank, but. <laughs> or a store that just has one thing in it and it's $800. And you're yeah. like, what? How yeah. is this a thing? But somehow Queen Vic is still there. Yeah. And they still haven't found the vomit that has got to be hidden in some corner somewhere to create oh. the smell of the Queen Vic. Yeah, fair point, fair <laughs> point. I don't think I've ever been to Queen Vic before a very late night, but yes. <laughs> but it's still there. <laughs> still there. It still stands. Um, yeah, so does the boiler room, which they're, they're sister bars and they're next right. door to each other. So right, I think right, right. they, yeah, they feed off each other. Thank goodness for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so another thing uh, to, to chat about in the world of Night Vale is that you were, after this, you were with the weather, you became Night Vale's business manager for like, what, two and a half years? How was it? I think so. Yeah, it, it was yeah. definitely at least two years, maybe slightly longer. Yeah, and you really helped take uh, from what we did as Welcome to Night Vale to becoming a full-on podcast network. So anyone out there who likes to listen to other podcasts besides Welcome to Night Vale and the Night Vale Presents Network, you can thank Bettina for <laughs> helping get that off the ground. Uh, yeah, that was it was a blast. And like, I don't know, I'm still just so thankful that Joseph and Jeffrey were like, hey, let's take a chance on you, 22-ish year old lady, maybe 24, who like doesn't really know what she's doing. <laughs> Let's make a podcast network. And again, I was like, cool, cool, cool. Like, what's a podcast? Yeah, I'll figure it out. Let's do this. And it like really, again, changed the trajectory of my life. It was really fantastic. Yeah. After that, you worked in podcasting for a bit. You worked with Night Vale mm-hmm. and then you went to Panoply and then you mm-hmm. were at Spotify. So you yes. like, were, you know, an early, early part of this podcasting land. Yeah. Especially like as it's evolved as an industry and like seeing just people who are trying to get into it, what they're learning, what they don't know, what they want to know and be like, oh, I tried all this already. Like I did all this already. I kind of understand it. I'm not an expert. I'm not a pro, but like I definitely have had some learnings from hands-on experience that I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Like I see what you're trying to do and also like how I'm trying, how I can tell you better how to do it. But then I quit and now I work in beer. <laughs> yeah. Which is probably, a, I don't know, but just knowing you probably a much happier work day for you. <laughs> it's just different. It's different and it's, it's nice, honestly. Small companies are my thing. Yeah. And beers. Beer makes people happy. Podcasts make people happy too. So no one's making bombs over here. Um, Oh, thank goodness. Yeah. Um, So, but yeah, you, you transitioned to hospitality and you have a really awesome food newsletter that I love to read. And this is a food podcast. Good morning. Night Vale is a secret food podcast. Um, Let's do it. I'm ready. uh, so we're just like, yeah, so we're, I'm stoked to have you on from a culinary standpoint. Um, can oh, you talk yes. a little bit about like your kind of food point of view, culinary point of view, and a little bit about your newsletter? Yeah. So I'll start with, oh my gosh, what is my culinary point of view? I guess it's just that I like to eat everything. And I also love the idea of social media fandom. And so for that, I cook a lot of Alice and Roman recipes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. I just think it's like similar to beer, similar to like podcast food makes people really happy. So if we could do everything, people are happy. Like, why not? share that joy um yeah, I don't know I love it and my po- my newsletter grew because when I was leaving Spotify my coworker was just like hey who, else, who are we going to talk to now about like what restaurants to go to um you should start a food newsletter and I was like okay and so I did and I've written 10 editions <laughs> and it's just a fun way to like chat with people about something that makes me excited which is something that like now that I'm not playing in the band is something I miss a lot how do you feel about calzones Mm, I have no strong, that's not true. I do have a strong opinion. The one on ops is amazing. I really, really love it. Mm-hmm. So I feel strongly about calzones. Is that uh, a controversial topic? No, it's a, it's, it's a the thing that we like to celebrate on Good Morning Night Vale where we like calzones. We like, um, if you had to put, if you could make your, like, if you make your own calzone, any ingredients in the world, what would you put in it? Mm, cheese and sausage, but like the small little sausage balls. Like, I guess that's technically oh, a mini meatball in a lot cool. of ways. Mini, mini, mini meatball. Yeah, it sounds yeah. great. So yeah, mini, mini meatball. And like maybe a green just yeah, to make like it healthy. Yeah, spinach or like a broccoli rob. Yeah. Oh, now I want a calzone, even though yeah, it's I 11 a.m. behind that. <laughs> <laughs> it's 2 p.m. for me. It's like prime calzone time. Prime, prime calzone time. Well, <laughs> I, I hope that you have some sort of delicious lunch coming your way. Uh, but yeah, but thank you so much for joining us on Good Morning Night Vale, and thank you so yeah. much for uh, sharing your music in the weather of this of this episode, and thank you so much for uh, helping Night Vale be the thing that it is today. So we really appreciate you all around. Oh, thank you. Thanks for all the thanks. Oh yeah, this has been a blast. I'm so excited to see like just everything, everything that's come out of the Night Vale universe is wonderful. So thank you very much for inviting me and also for like continuing the spread the great word of night Vale and make it happen spread the word of the rizzos go listen to their music (laughs) Um, cool the rizzos.bandcamp.com 
Thank you so much for listening to us this week. We are so happy to get to speak to you into your ears. Next episode we're going to be doing is antiques. So you have that to look forward to along with looking forward to the rest of your life. We love you. And as always, good morning, Night Vale. Good morning. Good Morning Night Vale is a Night Vale Presents production. It is hosted by Symphony Sanders, Hal Lovelin, and Meg Bashwinner. It is edited by Grant Stewart and mixed by Vincent Cachione. It is produced by Meg Bashwinner. Theme music by Disparition. Special thanks to our guest this week, Bettina Warshaw. Leave us a voicemail at 929-277-2050 or email us at info at goodmorningnightvale.com to share your theories and ask questions or to describe your perfect dog. This show is powered by our patrons like Nick Olivas, Michaela Sandoval, Elizabeth Jackman, Hannah Jones, and Hannah Long. If you are interested in supporting the show in exchange for lots of fun, exclusive, hyper-cool kid content like joining a Patreon that has two members named Hannah in it, come be our third. Check us out at patreon.com slash goodmorningnightvale. For more info on this show, go to goodmorningnightvale.com and follow us on Facebook and on Twitter at Nightvale Chat. Special thanks to Christy Gressman, Jeffrey Craner, Joseph Fink, and Adam Cecil. Today's adverb is cleanest. My hands are the cleanest and driest they've ever been. you to write a story about a wedding reception. I want you to make that story two minutes. That's about 200 to 250 words when you read it out loud. Finish it, refine it a bit, work on it, get it to somewhere that you are happy with it. I want you to delete it. That's me, Joseph Fink, giving a short writing assignment on me and my Welcome to Night Vale co-writer Jeffrey Craner's new podcast, Start With This. If that prompt sparked your creativity, then give it a listen, because on this show, it's you who will do the creating. Not sure where to start? Start with this. Find it wherever you get your podcasts.